So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. back everyone to another episode of the running rugby podcast a uh, few weeks off again we have to apologize about that but we're coming back with breaking news and i've got leo and toby here to break it down for me we've just heard quade cooper has signed with the rebels for the 2019 super rugby season yeah he's taken a bit of a bit of a swing at brad thorne on the way out there which you know he hasn't gone off too much but put something up on instagram which was interesting mm. um saying that you know there's other people that love him in the world and it doesn't matter if you know, you're leaving home almost. There's going to be someone to pick you back up. But he's joined Ganya back down at the Rebels. And look, I think it's a good thing. It gives Quaid a contract for next year to fulfill and actually be playing. And look, that puts him back into Wallaby's contention, which I think is only a good thing. Yeah, it helps keep the Australian team strong. Like, he's a good enough player. He should be being, He should have been playing at that level. I think, I think the person he's talking about when he's saying other people love him is Will Genia. That pairing from the 2011 Super Rugby, which won them won the Queensland Reds the title, that's going to be you know saying that they're looking look to build from, and all those other talented players in the Rebels will be hoping that Quaid unlocks something special. Yeah, well, you look at some of his play in the NRC, and um, there's one video that we saw put up. I think we popped it up as well uh, versus the Canberra Vikings. We saw a bit of vintage Quaid skill. Um, diving in the wet to keep a ball in from the touch and then a quick step, throw it round the back to throw it to Adam Korchik to do a bit of a line burst as well. It doesn't seem like he's really lacking any of that skill or confidence at the moment. Will he be able to bring it to the Rebels? I'm interested to know as well if, if the fact that Quaid's bitten the bullet and decided to move, will Carmichael Hunt also decide to break the shackles and, and look elsewhere for work? Because... Not that I think they were hanging out as a pair, but they've definitely been hanging out in the NRC. So have they been talking? I'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yeah, I think it's more that Carmichael Hunt can't, like people aren't interested as much given his history. But I think he's been looking and it's probably more likely he's going to go overseas. But you never know with the Rebels. They they seem to just accumulate talent and they're going to have a similar problem, I think, next year in terms of trying to fit all these you know, quality players into their starting lineup. Like You've got to think, where does Tom English end up now? Um, so, the, I mean, that's only a good thing, I think, for the Rebels. But, um, you know, look, they've probably got to be a favourite to, to win the Australian Conference next year, I think. Yes, finally coming around to my version of thinking. Um, just a year late, obviously. Uh, let's jump into... We'll, we'll wind back a little bit to the Rugby Championship. We did have round six uh, in the books. We already knew the All Blacks were overall winners, but we had them taking on South Africa and then Argentina taking on Australia. And... Similar games, really, weren't they? Um, both both home teams were up early and needed a pretty good comeback from both the All Blacks and Australia, or Australia's biggest comeback in history in Salta, uh, to come away with a win, and Australia managed to not finish last. They win 45-34 to 34 versus Argentina in Salta. Yeah, that was a huge win for Australia. Like, we really, we really, really needed that, and the first half was pretty terrible. Um, I don't know if it was Checker's words or his spray that really got them going or they just 
maybe they just realise, look, this is our last chance in the, the rugby championship to salvage something to, to make sure we don't get the wooden spoon and they just turned it on. And I think hopefully now there's that pressure's come off just a little bit and that might actually mean that we're not forcing some stupid passes or overthinking things as much and it might actually help us for this third blood as low. I'll, I'll be very curious for this third Bledisloe, the, the style of play they begin with in that game because the first half against Argentina looked like the game plan and strategy we've been trying uh, in, the, in the rugby championship previously where we hadn't been very successful. And it was only in the second half we suddenly held the ball, we just carried phases, more grind through the forwards, and we relaxed a bit. And, and we, we, to me it looked like we were playing to less of a script and I'll tell you what, if we can be that successful, just letting players do what they do and 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 relax and play the way they've played to get to that level in their game, then that's probably what we need to stick with. Man, how big a difference was it bringing on Tolulatu and Sakopi Kepu in that second half? Seriously, like the leadership I think Kepu showed and Tolulatu pretty much taking on the primary sort of first receiver role and putting people through gaps, offloading when he needed, taking it up himself. He looked like a 10. The thing is we've fallen into this trap before and they did look amazing in in that second half. It seems when you start Tolu though, he doesn't maybe have that same impact or he doesn't come on as as energised or something. I don't know. Because he had those star-studded performances coming on the second half. Was it in the June series, I think? Yeah, that's right. Against Ireland. And he was doing it consistently. And then Cheka, I think, thought, okay. Or even the Waratahs, he started starting games. And he just didn't have that that real potency. So hoping that, you know, regardless of what they do for, for New Zealand this week, that they get the combinations right because that that big move of replacing the front row did work. And I think Kepu and Tolu Latu had a big thing to do with that. I'm still not sure about Alalato. I think he's doing better. I think he's improving. And he's actually just signed on a five-year contract with, with Rugby Australia. So they see him as, I think, you know, the future as well. But... Look, I, I don't know. These guys, it, they just need to be consistent. I think that's probably the takeaway message, whether they're starting or they're coming on as finishers. They need to be consistent in their performances, um, and that's key. And also, like you say, Leo, playing what's in front of you, I think that's an important message to be taken away from the Argentina game. Yeah, let's let's relax our structure and try and just play, as you said, what's in front of us. Let's briefly look at that South Africa All Blacks game. Um once again, South Africa looked potent, looked dominant in that, and they look like they're getting back up to sort of top four, top three sort of teams in the world, which they haven't really been at for the last sort of three or four years. Um, do you guys agree? Do you think they're, they're going to be they're back to stay, or were these sort of two games, two flukes, that they just had the All Blacks number? I think they are on their way back up. I think we were in a similar position to them earlier on in the year, and they had their their really, really terrible year last year, changed coach, and, and now it seems like they're back on, on the right track. I think it comes down to some consistency in selections for them. Often they're guilty of moving players around, and I think just getting the balance right for, for their quota system as well, they do have to fulfill that. So that's another thing they have to keep thinking about. But it seems at the moment they've just got a good balance of players and and players that are, are smart footballers in some ways, along with that brute force that you kind of expect from the box. So they found a good balance there. They've got Andre Pollard directing them around well, and they just look like a more mature team for me. 
the consistency starting with someone like Blah, that they've now selected him and kept him around for most of the games. They've built a lot of belief being successful against England in the June tests, and now they've built some belief. They've beaten the All Blacks at home. Uh, they've come second in the Rugby Championship. Like This is a team that always had the... Uh, or a squad that always had the raw raw talent, uh, but just couldn't quite shape it into an effective group, an effective team. And I think the consistency in selections and getting some results through just, you know passion and will, they're now going to be much more confident that they're on the right track. And just that just that deep seated confidence that they can top the number one team in the world in their backyard. They can they can then carry that on. They'll they'll be a much more uh, challenging opponent for any top tier team now that they've got the belief that they can take anyone, and they've got that same group of players. Bearing in mind they all need to stay healthy for next year. It's interesting to look forward at the World Cup with um, those two teams. It's sharing a pool together um, will definitely cause cause a few upsets, especially when they're both going into the semis against other top tier teams. Uh, so let's look forward to this weekend. We've got the third Bledisloe, uh, more or less a dead rubber, but coming out of Nissan Stadium in Yokohama. And the squad's been released, and we had a few um, debutants named. Angus Cottrell has been again named in there, as well as Jed Holloway, obviously backing some impressive form in the NRC, has made his way into the squad. Uh, Jake Gordon has also been named once again after flying over to South Africa and Argentina to help fill in, but didn't get on. The only other news is Reese Hodge has unfortunately broken his ankle and so will definitely miss uh, this Bledisloe and also the spring tour. Um, he's been replaced in the squad by Samu Karevi. Yeah, not a lot of depth there at outside centre. So Karevi's just come off. Uh, I think he played a couple of games of sevens at Byron Bay and his team there actually won the competition. But you've got to think, look, the standard is quite different to playing at Bledisloe. So... It's going to be an interesting decision for Chaka. Does he go with someone like, say, Falau at 13, who's you know, not proven at all in that position, apart from maybe at super rugby level? Um, or do you go to Karevi and, and throw him in the deep end a little bit? And he's coming off an elbow surgery, so that could... I heard Chaka basically say, look, he's got to get some tackling under his belt, because I think that's one of the main things in terms of having strength in that arm. So mm. if you're facing up in the centres against New Zealand, like you've got to be able to be confident in your ability to, to tackle well, particularly in that 13 spot. So that's a key um, selection this week. We've seen Hodge, you know, do pretty well at 13. I don't think he's excelled. Um, but having his kicking um, ability to have, kick those long goals and general kicking, um, I think we're going to miss that a bit. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I can see them just going back to Flau. I don't know what you guys think. I don't think... I would want Falau there. Uh, it may be forced and necessary, uh, and I don't particularly have a, a better idea. Like, I would definitely be Karevi, but he's got to be in in good shape. It's no point in putting out a, a damaged good out there to try and tackle every All Black that they're going to run at him. They're going to know that if they do select him, they've got to be 100% certain he can stand up to it because he will be targeted. Um, I've, yeah, we saw in some of the media about Jack Maddox maybe going to 13. I don't I don't see that at all. Uh, Jack Maddox has been a great find for us this year and he's done a lot of really uh, impressive things coming on late in games and starting games. And look, you, you may find even more talent there if you tr- try him at 13, but I think that's a big risk, which is, yeah, I think why we're sort of thinking that 
unfortunately Falau may be the the best of uh, uh, a, a bunch that they don't have a whole lot of options. We just keep losing these 13s. Yeah, Karevi, like, even when he's fully healthy, the All Blacks have tended to exploit him. So I can't see how you fly him to Japan on, on two sevens games, limited game time in general, and it's not like he's been playing every week in the NRC. Like, he's he's really limited in his um, match fitness at the moment. So I think that's too big a risk. Um, though you never know with Checker. He tends to gamble on these things, and... Mm. Sometimes like these things come off, but the odds seem to be against Karevi being able to play to his full potential um, after going through what he's gone through. But why why is he in the squad then if there's no chance of him playing? I think it's just lack of playing stocks. I actually think that, look, they're probably thinking more towards the spring tour. But this feeling isn't that the squad position. for the spring tour. This is the different I know, squad. I know. You know, I agree with you, but... The, the spring tour is only a few weeks away. So guys like Tamura at 12 have, have gone back to, to Leicester. So, yeah. you know, it's not like Tamura would have played 13, you know, much in his career at all. But because of his defensive ability, maybe you could have thrown him in there um, next to Beal or something. But at the moment, we're down to looking at guys. That's why the media suggests guys like Jack Maddox, who barely finding his feet on the wing quite yet. So... You're looking at Maddox, you're looking at Naivalu, who has limited time at 13 previously, but I'm sure they'll consider him. And then you're going back to that experiment that they've tried for a little while with Falau, and that that almost seems like the best fit given Haylett Petty has been nailed, nailed down that fullback spot and Falau's been resigned to the wing. You could see him being at 13 and then having Mac, Maddox and um, Korobiti on the wing and mm, keeping yeah. that speed the- out wide, so... That's what wing I is a much more replaceable position, I guess. Exactly. Um, right. Exactly. The only the only other uh, one who's not with the squad, but I guess is someone who maybe maybe you see in this sort of role later on in in a few years time. But someone like um, Jordan Patea, who has actually been playing thirteen for his NRC team week to week. Uh, it's, it's a shame mm. he's not there, but he'd be another very young guy. Like he's come come out of almost school rugby up to all blacks in international tests within 12 months would be pretty insane but you know you find these guys every now and then it's um someone who's around but i guess he's not going to be in he's not in the squad so can't really think of that 19 19 or something 18 19 18 at the start start of the year yeah so i think he is 19 they did this kind of thing with like jason little though they throw them in and they used to do this more and more but it's it's almost a shame if it was an extra year along. I think he definitely would have just gone straight in at thirteen. Don't know whether Checker just doesn't want to take him away from the NRC final and kind of yeah. disrupt that campaign as well. It's much now like you can't necessarily throw an eighteen year old in because they're just not physically conditioned to match a lot of the players who have been for two or three years in in this level of competition. Like they they might be sort of. Um, you know, fairly robust, and they'll they'll bounce a lot of times when when other people might break. But they're if they get into a a really physical situation, like these guys have been doing weights week in week out, training all these scenarios and wrestling in tackles, and then you got a guy who just isn't quite um, as as grained as as them. So 
that's that's probably the difference is the professional era. You've got just that next level of physical conditioning that a, a guy off the street, in effect, or at a club can't can't quite match. Yeah, but that's a that's a fair point. But I'm I'm not sure how. You know, I'd almost prefer putting Pitaya in than Karevi. Mm. I've seen oh, Karevi's misgivings before. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like if you you're paying Karevi in a month's time against England because there's no better option at 13, I can see that working, but. At the moment, well, you also can't afford to break him because then you really are that's, stuck with that's what you risk as well for the rest of the season. So, are you going to take the short term, the short term potential if you get through yeah. the game and, and maybe you're competitive there, but otherwise you might be losing him for the rest of the spring tour and that could be even worse. It doesn't give you much of a run into the World Cup year. Maybe they're going to carry him on the bench or something. I think it's it's really is it's a tough decision for Chaka and given the pressure that Chaka's been under. I just hope that he doesn't start second-guessing himself because some of his selections in the past have been a little bit curious and we're still... I mean, he stopped that rotation in the second row, which I think has been a positive thing because guys like Rodder and Coleman, they need those back-to-back games. And we've seen that pay dividends a little bit, forming that combination. I don't think we've, we still haven't got the balance right in the back row. And it, I've heard he's going to go back to Hannigan at six this week. I'm not sure that's the best option, but... Um, I mean, you can't leave Hooper and Pocock out at this stage, but it's whether, you know, do you go to more like someone like a Tui, try and replicate that at six? Um, or, or, or do you, you do the man of the match from last year's third Bledisloe and you get Jack Dempsey back in there? Who's back the guy the who probably would have been there the entire time if he yeah. hadn't been injured? If he hadn't been injured. was in. Yeah. I mean, he, he there was an article high. this week, like... He was going through some dark periods. His injury was meant to be six months. I think it dragged out to about nine months mm. where he wasn't playing for that long. He had John Eels calling him during the rehab, making sure he was all good just because you know, he was expected to be back in Super Rugby and that just didn't happen. So he's gone through some, some tough times, but it's good to see him back in the squad and hopefully he's fully fit. I, I guess he's just, again, probably la- lacking some real match fitness at that high level. But we have seen him play NRC, so that's good at least. So 13 is obviously a question. Hooker probably is a question who we start. We just had that conversation about um, Tolu before, but obviously Pilotten now is gone. Do you think we go back to Tolu to start, or do you think Falao Fainga, who was preferred for early in that rugby championship, gets a start? I think they'll still they'll go back to Fainga. I don't know. I, I feel like BPA deserves another go. Like He just seems to be the forgotten man in some ways he's he got that one he did start pretty well in ireland well, and then disappeared completely was it one or two starts i thought it might have been two but either way i think look he had limited opportunities and then suddenly guys like flau Feinger, who i do rate but i think he hasn't had the the greatest time in a wallabies jersey so far but again we're, we're talking about consistency of selections and making sure we don't just go away from these young guys after they've got an opportunity so that's probably the right decision, selecting someone like Fanger. And then, look, if um, if he's a bit shaky, you bring on Tolu a bit earlier, maybe. I, I definitely think Tolu is the bench warmer coming on in the second half. I think with the, we've seen his best performances there, and, and I don't think he necessarily gives you anything clear-cut as a starter. I actually don't think there's a huge separation between any of these guys, but he's definitely played the best off the bench, and... I, we've seen Falau Fainga give up some pretty 
um, weak breaks in in defense, but we've also seen him do some good things in attack. And I think his lineouts have been reasonable. Uh, if anything, our lineouts have been a bit disjoint with the new groups coming together and not a lot of um, super rugby combinations to work off. So uh, I think, in the interest of consistency, I couldn't I couldn't say that BPA is significantly outclassing Falau Fainga in any particular aspect. I think you end up sticking with Falau Fainga for now. Uh, but you definitely do what they're doing, which is keeping BPA around the squad because he's, you know, he's had some success recently. The Reds, the Reds weren't that successful, but he came out of that Queensland Country group. Um, he's going to go back to the Reds next year and have probably another, build, you know, developing building year with them. Um, I think at the moment, but Falafang is probably the slightly more mobile. Just got to make sure we keep him focused in in the first forty. Yeah, I think look, they're they're. They've got they're all good around the park really, which is a positive and something that we haven't always had. So that's not something we need to worry about. It's more set piece. Arch, what do you think your Wallabies fifteen? Do you want to go through it and kind of put together what you think they're going to select? Well, I think I was thinking about props as well. I think um, Scotty Sear is probably the only locked and loaded prop at the moment, and then it'll either be Kepu or Taniella Tupo. It's really hard because people always want Taniella to start, but then. Like Tolu, very similarly, he seems to have such good impact off the bench, so they may go back to that sort of movement and bring on a sort of completely new front row with Tolu and Taniella in the second half just to make a bit more of an impact. I don't think anyone's going to go away from Rodder and Coleman in the second row. And like I said, I'd like to see Dempsey get back into six. Um, In the end, this is a game that we've lost the blood as though, look, we, we do obviously need to put up a strong performance against the All Blacks, but is anyone going to really be that upset if we go and try a few things, if we get people back in? I think I'd rather make mistakes in this game and have a really strong spring tour and beat Wales, beat England, beat Italy, and lose this one, then lose this one, and then go and lose to England again um, on the spring tour. And what do you think, like, would you consider, like, I know that I'm pretty biased here, but would you put Jed at eight? move Pocock to six because Jed's still got that line out ability um, as, as Hannigan does, but he, he offers a bit more with ball in hand. He's a bit more dynamic around the field. So could you see them going to that combination at some point? Um, if you want to maintain Hooper and, and Pocock in the team, obviously. Look, I don't think that Jed's going to get, especially run on start this game. I think you're more likely to see him, because this is the first time he's been selected in this squad. This is the first time he's been around. Like, yeah, okay, he trained under Checker a couple of years ago, but he's not been in the Wallaby system for very long. I think it'd be Good highly point. unlikely for him to go back in. And I mean, Maddox, uh, Maddox, um, Dempsey pretty much comes with the same sort of benefits, strong ball runner, good defender, and can be in the line out as well. I think you'd be much more likely to see Jed uh, get a start even particularly when the Wallabies go up against Italy in a couple of weeks um, and get him blooded yeah, into sort point. of Wallabies sort of tile and then look to see him become more of a stalwart name in that squad over the next 12 months. Yeah, I think, look, you're right. With that, with that time the setup, you need to know these plays. You need to know how the set piece is working well. Otherwise, you get into trouble. Um, Dempsey has been through it before and you, you, we know that Checker loves both these guys but I think he probably loves Dempsey a little bit more even yeah um, so look I 
sadly, I think you're going to see Hannigan at six, and I think you're going to see Dempsey on the bench. Maybe, maybe, you know, you could have Jed on the bench, but I think they're probably going to go for a safer option mm. um, and keep Dempsey there. Arch, what about, or Leo, what do you think with your back line in, in terms of how you think they'd line up and maybe the bench guys? So it'll be it'll be our strongest back line we can field, bearing in mind that 13 spot's a bit uncertain. But I think you pretty much laid it out pretty well before. It'll be it'll be Genia, Foley, through to Beal. At this point, say probably Falau. That's the option. It's just got to pass the ball when there's an open line and we're all good. And then you've got a plethora of wing options. I feel like we're overflowing with wing wingers and, and even multiple fullbacks. So there you can really have your, have your pick. But you're definitely going to keep Corabidi. Maddox, I think, deserves his other turn on the wing. Um, and then I guess if he's in that area and Falau's not performing, you can rotate them around a bit. Hayla Petty will be at fullback, you've got to think. Then on the on the bench, I guess because we've lost, we've lost people like Tamua. So we don't have to worry about that sort of player. Who's who's your other utility? You, you want Jake Gordon? Tom Banks and Kravia are going to be on the bench. There you go. Tom and Banks Jake and Kravia. Yeah. And then and then that that's that's back to this form where if something happens to your ten or your twelve, or say say something happens to Foley or he gets gassed, he's just not playing good game. Then you're forced into the well. Let's put Beal into ten because you can't put Reese Hodge there. He's gone now. Maddox isn't Maddox is someone we talked about in Super Rugby. We didn't really get to see it, and they probably wouldn't do that. So basically, you've got your tens and your ten and your spare ten on the field, and you've got a bunch of guys who can play in the back three, and you're just going to have to cobble it together in the center field if if it comes to that. Which is a bit of a concern, really. Maybe Tom Banks needs to start developing as a as a thirteen as well. Like if he can play fullback, you've mm-hmm. just got to get get the defensive read and the structure and and probably the communication. He's got it as a guy who's new into that squad compared to a lot of other guys. You've got to be a talker. You've got to be calling people into position. And again, I think that's probably something that Falau isn't that strong at. But Banks is probably the right frame. He's fast. He's a bit of a maybe a, a Conrad Smith type player, but you, in terms of physicality. But he's not going to be fresh. He would be fresh into 13. So there's a there's a big learning curve there. But you know, I've got a whole bunch of people who might need to make it. Yeah, that's why I think, look, Karevi is essential. If you're not starting, Karevi will be on the bench, I think. I think that's probably the takeaway with this selection in terms of him coming in the squad because we need someone to be covering that position. And I don't think... I think he's. I think Czech is probably willing to give Falau another go there, but he wants some sort of fallback option. Um, I don't know. Not... I, think, I assumed he would be injured. If, if he's not starting, I, I don't know. Would you put really? him on the bench? Well, well I think you risk maybe he can, oh, he can manage limited... He's not injured. I mean, he can manage probably limited minutes, and I think that's probably why he would be on the bench because if you get to 50, 60 minutes and Falau's missing a bunch of tackles and, and doesn't look comfortable there, then you shift him to the wing and bring Karevi on and hope that works. I think, look, uh, we're probably going to be behind. If we're not... If we're making that rotation at 60 minutes or something like that, we're probably... The game's probably gone anyway. That's that's true, but if he is, if if it's a conditioning thing and and not just a a fitness thing, but like a as you said, strength in the elbow, in the arm, regardless how many minutes you're playing, you're either coming onto the field and you've got the strength and the stability in that joint from the from the surgery to do the job, or you're still recovering and it could be in the first minute or it could be in the thirtieth minute or it could not happen that you could 
cause a setback or even yeah. worse, you know, an injury. So in my mind, if you were willing to start saying he's got that, he's got that um, strength there, we trust him. And then it's only if he throws his hand up and says, oh, it's not feeling right. I just had it twinged a bit there. I twisted. I got wrenched around. And then maybe you're forced into a late change, but that can happen in any position. So I don't know putting him on the bench. I think I think if he's good enough, he could start. And I don't think they'd put him on the bench. That's fine. I think look, he played sevens on the weekend. I don't know if that was a particular choice because it was like we need short, sharp bursts from him or not, or it was just like we want your fitness to be as as tested as possible. And sevens is probably the game for that, but. Look, I, I agree. Look, we shouldn't be just picking guys that are, are undercooked at all. Um, but just Not given the, the depth of the squad, I just, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Arch, what do you think? Should Is Jakey going to get on the bench? Is he going to get a start? I don't think Genny is going to get displaced, but we've got to see him at some point. Again, man, I'm not sure. I think your, your love's putting a bit of mir- miracles in your head. I don't think you'll see Phipps not named on the bench in this one. Um, he's got the experience. Yeah, I don't think you'll get rid of him. Chips is solid, but Jake Gordon is a a game breaker, and we need that in a Bledisloe. We need that late. Get get on the blow with Who's your new Genia? Yeah, that's it. Genia, you have no attacking aggressive replacement with any exposure. You're not going to put Powell in. Yeah, that's what You'll Kenny see that if, if Genia goes down, suddenly you'll see a game of Phipps and then you'll see Jake Gordon supplant him and Jake be the starter start. in like two games' time. So this is why it doesn't make sense. Does already. Yeah. It's because he goes, okay, well, Phipps offers this great cover defense late. He's tireless worker. And that's Perfect what we need when you're later losing a game. game. Well. Yeah. You don't need to score. He points. may see it as, look, when guys are tired, Phipps is making extra tackles where a lot of guys wouldn't do that. And I think mm. that's... Sometimes the thinking with that, that that because our forwards are getting tired. Yeah. He's overvaluing that. He was in top form a few years ago, but since then, there hasn't been a whole lot from him. Maybe maybe at the Waratahs, but Wallabies-wise, I haven't seen a whole lot to say that he should be there still. But you've got to assume, based on current form, that we're going to be fighting to stay in games, not blowing teams away. And if you're fighting to stay in a game, you've got to... You, it's, it's, it's going to come down to can you score more points. That's right. Can you score more points than the opposition? Being able to defend them when everyone's getting tired isn't getting you back ahead on the scoreboard. I just don't understand the logic of it all. It's, it's a it's, it's like a negative. Really... It's a negative rugby. It's like oh, we've got to be we've got to defend hard in the last 30, 20, 30 minutes. Not not if you've just blown them away and attack and you can keep attacking and keep scoring points. Well. Look, when Jake Gordon signs with Toulon next year because the Waratahs won't play him and the Wallabies don't select him, then, you know, <laughs> we we can blame Checker, I guess. And I, I don't know don't know what the thinking is really, but there needs to be some sort of, um, I guess, look to the future, think about what these guys are going to do long term and you need to reward them. If they're playing well, they should, they should get a, an opportunity and hopefully that comes soon and he's not just stuck in the squad carrying bags around and, you know, running the water. He needs to get on the field at some point. Yeah, agreed. And I think I'm surprised there hasn't been more talk of him changing super rugby clubs to make sure he does get a start rather than being supplanted behind Gibson's love of Phipps. But, look, he's a guy that we all believe in and I think we'll we'll see him come out and come good in the end. Whether it's as soon as we want, uh, that just remains to be seen. But that is the Bledisloe... 
this Saturday, Nissan Stadium, Yokohama, kicking off at 5.45. Um, is there anything you boys wanted to talk about from the All Black squad? I think we all expect a pretty stable team from them. We expect them to do a lot of the same. They're taking quite a big squad to Japan, at least, aren't they? They've taken an extended training squad. Um, they're obviously thinking, let's involve as many guys on this tour as possible. Japan, you've got the World Cup in Japan, so you're familiarizing guys with that travel, with the with the environment, the culture, you know, training over there, the facilities. So that's quite interesting that, that they've chosen to do that um, as a special just before this World Cup. I think there's an extra... There might be an extra 12 or maybe more guys going specifically to, on, to the Japan leg there, which is not saying I've seen other other teams and other squads sort out. Which is, that's, well, that's, that's that forward thinking. That. That's, that's yeah, something exactly. the Wallabies should have been thinking about as well. Um, maybe it's just we don't have the money to be doing that right now, but this is this is why I think this game is even more important. We always put a lot of emphasis on a Bledisloe, but because it's in Japan at the side of the World Cup final next year. It could be these two teams. You never know. So yeah, I think... These two think teams this is, in this stadium this time of year, it's it's almost uh, like if both yeah. teams got there, it's, it's a forecast. Exactly. So this is a very important game for the Wallabies. I know we, we think every game is important, but this, even though it is a dead rubber, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of fire there. Um, and hopefully they get a, a full stadium with pretty loud Japanese fans out there. I think it's going to be... I'd love to be there, but um, look, it's, it's it's a big test for the Wallabies. I don't think we have high expectations, but we want to see... It's almost the way they go about it. We want to see them play what's in front of them. We want to see these systems that are adaptable. We don't want to see these same high bombs. If they're not working, go away from that. Do something else. You know, try some tricky little grubbers. Do something a bit different catch the All Blacks off guard. You can't beat them by doing the same thing we've been doing for the last year or two. So I think that's that's the biggest thing. And if we do that, look, we might start pulling off some some pretty creative things and suddenly guys get their confidence back. And, and look, a win here would do wonders, I think, for the Tour as well. Yeah, I agree. And, and you, I don't think you beat the All Blacks necessarily playing the same game as them, but you certainly don't beat them by going out and matching their intensity, you need to exceed their intensity and you need to put them on the back foot early. And again, you don't put them on the back foot by surprising them that you can match them. You need to do what uh, you know what the Crusaders did to the Lions in the Super Rugby final, come out, attack their, their greatest strengths and just demolish them, put in that effort up front to really shake them mentally and then trust your own systems and your skills and, and the 14 guys around you to to follow through and, and, and create some some opportunities out of that disruption. We'll see whether it comes to fruition or whether we have another reason that people start talking about Checker potentially getting fired again after this weekend. On to what else has been going on in the rugby world. The NRC is heating up. We've got the grand final this weekend. It was um, still high-scoring semifinals on the weekend. Both played under pretty trying, wet, windy conditions. Uh, first semi-final had the number one seeds, Fiji and Drua, 35, taking on uh, the Vikings and winning 35-28. to 28. That was over in Fiji, and the Drua securing the home grand final. And Queensland Country in the other one uh, took on the fourth. 
after the Force's late slip-up in the last round of the NRC, they lost the home round advantage for the semi-final, so travelling to Queensland. And again, in a game where the first half was quite dry, quite good rugby conditions, it then clouded over and started storming, so not much more to change in the second half. Queensland country taking that 45-24 to and coming on for their... Well, having a shot at getting a second NRC title in a row. Which would be amazing for them, and... I think it's going to be particularly challenging that they have to travel to Fiji. Um, they've looked absolutely bulletproof at home this year uh, and pretty competitive away. So uh, if anyone's going to do it, Queensland country boys and their, and maybe some belief from last year will be will be good competition. And, and they've got a lot of guys who were involved in that team. So anyone who's not on the Wallabies tour is back into that squad who, who was there last year. So... There's definitely some guys who can uh, hopefully G the boys up and, and remind them how good it is to win and, and maybe even knock over the Fijians at home. Yeah, I think it's going to be based on the fact they're missing a few key guys. I think Queensland country, even guys like Tong and Thor, who no longer consistently paying that team because they're busy with the Wallabies. I think it's going to be tough over there in Fiji. And, and what a story, really, the Drua coming in, having that opportunity to play in, in one of these competitions and... They're going from strength to strength. Um, I just think it's it's a great thing to to see these Pacific Island nations really stepping up. And I think if the the money was there, there'd be a team, a Super Rugby team in one of those countries sooner than later. But mm. now we're looking at places like Hawaii to kind of house these teams in Super Rugby. And you know, there's exciting times ahead. And I think it's um it's really good to see. Hopefully, they get the win. I think Fiji kind of deserve that. Um, and I think it'll really stimulate the interest. Um, particularly with Australian football as well. It's good to see them supporting the Wallabies. I know the Wallabies are always the second team for Fijian, so it's good to see. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you look at the Queensland country team and you'll see a lot of those these guys um, coming up into Reds um, squads for next year, people like Harry Hooper, people like Harry Hawkins in the front rows. Um, they've obviously got Tate McDermott. Uh, Filippo Dalguno and Tate McDermott have been combining well. You've probably seen a couple of good sort of highlights between those two. Um, But Dalguno looking really, really on strength and with a lot of pace. Keen to see him a bit more. But the draw in the same regard, as you're saying, even in super wet, rainy conditions last weekend, it didn't hamper them at all. They were still offloading every which way, um, breaking the line and really supporting each other. Um, Really excited to see this game uh, this weekend. Do you have the time it's on, Arch? Yeah, so it's on kickoffs on Saturday, 2.30 Eastern Australian time. So you can back-to-back that from the the NRC straight into the final Bledisloe. That's right, yep. So no excuses, settle in, get involved. Toby, (laughs) let's get some some tips. Mate, I'm not getting up at 3am to watch NRC, I'm sorry. Um, But I'll definitely be watching the Bledisloe. So, oh, wait. We're looking at... Wait, that can't be right, surely. The time has changed to 7.45 a.m. That's a lot better for me. So what are we getting for tips with the Bledisloe guys? Are we picking the Wallabies? Are we picking the All Blacks? And by how many? I give the Wallabies a 11-point start to win. Hmm. That's pretty negative. Yeah. Sure about that. Well, that's that's what I think it's going to be. I think I think we're going to struggle. I think it's going to be a we if we can keep at it for sixty minutes, like you said, we want to see promising 
uh, styles of play, promising behavior when they're reacting to what's in front of them. Ultimately, I think the All Blacks are a too well-polished too well machine. And I think in late in the game, if we can keep them within a couple of tries, we'd be happy with the result, if not ecstatic that we uh, overcame them. Arch, what are you saying? Look, I think it's it's very difficult even being um, contemplating the idea of us taking away the win, uh, not at home. I know it's not in New Zealand. And I mean, we have previously had some success in these sort of offshore um, third Bledisloe tests and third Bledisloe has typically been our strongest. Uh, but in the end, this is a, a Wallabies team that we're lacking a few key players and at, can, at some key positions, especially at 13. And I do feel like we're going to get targeted a little bit in that area. But that said, I think we have the ability to keep it close. And I think there might have been a switch in mindset after that win in Argentina, and it may actually show a little bit, a bit of relief um, getting through that rugby championship. So, look, I think it will be close. I think, I think you probably still have to tip New Zealand, but probably I'd probably only tip them by two or three points. Look, I'm going out on a limb. I think the Wallabies can catch the the All Blacks off guard a little bit with the fact they've been so terrible this year. I think that's going to actually help them in terms of perception the All Blacks have of the Wallabies. We won Game 3 in 2016. We won, I think, Game 3 in 2017, by what I can see here. Yeah, that's correct. I think we've won the last two Game 3s. So I'm going out on a limb. I think the Wallabies are going to do it. I think they're going to win by about three points. So we'll see what happens with that. But like I said, I think this is a really important game for the World Cup next year and also to keep um, spirits high leading into this tour because we want to get wins against Wales. We want to get, obviously, a pretty... It would be an easier win against Italy and we want to get that that win against England that we haven't had for quite a while now. So important game and I think, you know, everyone should be watching and it's going to tell a lot, I think, about the selections for next year as well. They're gonna, there's going to be a few players that need to step up. For those, because we haven't really gone through that tour, so we have this game this weekend have a week off, um, and then we are in Wales, playing Wales the next weekend, followed by games versus Italy the subsequent weekend, and finishing off the tour versus England in our final sort of showdown, and hopefully a bit of a revenge game for us then. But so it's a big, big month ahead for the Wallabies, and hopefully we'll completely change sort of the view that we've had about them for this, this 2018 international season. A oh, win here would be great, but you, you think the All Blacks are going to be pretty well geared up. And, and since we're talking about tours, the All Blacks don't take a break. They're going to play Japan the week after they play the Wallabies. Then they're on to England, Ireland, and Italy. So considering the, the opposition they've had this year, multiple Wallabies games, they've lost one to the box and beat them in the rest. They're going to play England. They've beat the French. They're going to play the Irish. They'll be looking to set up pretty well to beat all their best competitors next year. So uh, if you're not able to see some of the Wallabies games, check out the All Blacks games because they're going to be some uh, some pretty good uh, forecasts to next year's in the World Cup. Definitely, definitely. It's just a, a juicy taste of these next couple of weeks. Um, I can't wait for them and can't wait for the World Cup, obviously, next year either. But that's all the time we pretty much had for today, guys. Uh, we'll be back to review all these games uh, after this weekend and hopefully be 
hopefully we'll prove Toby correct and we'll have a successful Wallabies campaign. And along with, oh, I'm sure he'd love to see Jed and Jake Gordon score like two tries each for this game and put the Wallabies through. But I don't know, dreamers will continue to dream, I guess. Uh, thanks for tuning in again, guys. Remember, give us a follow on Instagram at the Running Rugby Podcast or follow us on Facebook. You've got a lot of extra content, all the latest sort of squad announcements and latest deals signed all through that. And remember to subscribe to us. We're obviously on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also on Stitcher. So give us a listen, let your friends know about us. That's all from us. That's episode 30 of the Running Rugby Podcast. Woo, we made it, guys. Anyway, keep on running. Run. You got got to do better than that. You need to come up with a thing. All right, all right, all right. Keep on running.